Hi, I'm Ashley McElwain, licensed marriage and family therapist, and founder and CEO of Foundation Restoration. Welcome to Foundation Restoration's Real Talk podcast, where you'll find real people discussing real issues while offering real help at the intersection of clinical expertise and a biblical perspective. We're so glad you've joined us. Welcome, friends, to this episode of the Real Talk Podcast. So grateful that you guys can join us. It is crazy. We are in December. The holiday season is upon us. Hopefully, you guys are having fun with all the Christmas festivities and fun that's going on. I know it can be a bit of a stressful time of year as well. I know we usually are spread very thin, a lot of stuff going on, but I hope and pray that you can find the joy of the season, that it is a blessed time for you and for your family, and that you can truly enjoy the wonderful wonderful time of year that Christmas is. It truly is just so magical to think about the great gift we are given in Jesus Christ. And I'm so overjoyed. We love this time of year, my family and I, and really try to make the most of all of the Christmas-related things. And so I hope you and your family are able to create lots of memories and enjoy it all as well. On the flip side of that, this is also fundraising season for me, so it makes things pretty crazy. For those of you who know, again, we are a Foundation Restorations a nonprofit, and so it, we've been sharing that we have a fundraiser going on. We're trying to raise thirty thousand dollars here by the end of the year, and I would encourage you, if you're blessed by this podcast, if you're blessed by our ministry in one way or another, you just share our heart and our passion for marriages and for families and for life in general. Um, um, we would be so grateful if you would come alongside of us. You can do that in one of three ways. We have a matching challenge going on right now where your donations will be matched dollar for dollar up to $15,000. We also have, if you're in the Raleigh area, we're doing a super fun event for the first time. It's been a very big learning curve, but we are so excited about it. We're doing a second chance prom, and it's your second chance at prom. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have some food. We're going to have dancing. We're going to have a photo booth. Uh, we're going to have our silent auction, and it's just going to be a really fun, great time for you to come and experience what our ministry is about, and obviously all proceeds will then go to our ministry and helping us reach that third $30,000 goal that we have. And then the third way, I kind of mentioned it in the event, but there's a silent auction and beginning December 18th, that will go live. And so you can bid on some really incredible items that we've had donated. And I'm really excited about it. There's things like um, autographed Jacob Slavin from the Carolina Hurricanes jersey. We have all sorts of, we have purses, we've got gift baskets, we've got Raleigh local favorites, Southern Sugar Bakery, we've got some of their cookie mixes. We just have an incredible mixture of some really awesome items that people have so generously donated and you can bid on those. So if you go to our website, foundationrestoration.org, there's a pop-up that will come up. You can click through and you can donate there. You can buy your tickets there. And beginning December 18th, you can also bid there. So we would love your support. All gifts are tax deductible, and you're helping us uh, save lives, marriages, families. So we'd really, really appreciate your support. Thank you very much for your consideration. We're so grateful for your generosity and your support of our ministry. 
Well, we're going to hop right back into our communication series that we're doing. Um, Part one, we kind of discussed the ultimate purpose of communication and that that is connection rather than merely conveying facts and information. That meaningful communication is what breathes life into our relationships. It's also what facilitates the ability to build a deeper connection with someone, which is incredibly important in in relationships and, and especially in relationships where we are connected, whether it's our immediate family, our spouse, or friendships. But part two, we kind of started looking at some basics of communication, and that includes some pitfalls, obstacles, but also just some some skills related to communication in hopes of bridging the gap and overcoming the barriers that will then ultimately create better communication and ultimately better connection. And so if you haven't already, I'll say it, like I said, in part two, I would encourage you to take a listen to part one and take a listen to part two before you jump into part three today. But regardless, I'm going to do just a little bit of a rewind to refresh your memory and um, give you kind of a little bit of context before we jump in here to part three. And really, again, the things that we've uh, I've tried to share and just constantly reiterate is that communication cannot just be merely conveying facts, information, and directives. We have so much information that we're flooded with every day through social media, through our conversations, through television, through radio. It's just constantly overloading us with information and things that we need to know, so to speak. But the reality is people are lonelier than ever. And I think because we have all of these means of supposed connection through social media, Um, especially and through our phones even. But a lot of times those are very superficial and shallow connections. They're not really deep connections. We're not really spending meaningful time, quality time with somebody, getting to know them, getting to share with them, getting to hear from them. And so what happens is while these, we have a lot of options to go wide with our communication, we're not really going deep. And we were created for genuine true, deep, meaningful connection. And the connection comes in the context of meaningful relationships. Relationships yield connection through meaningful communication. So if we want strong, healthy, intimate, thriving, growing relationships, we have to understand our communication needs to be with the intent of connecting with the other person. So we can't be in this get to the point mindset. We really have to realize that when we are all about get to the point, we miss the point of why we communicate, especially when it's somebody we love, because that communication is the conduit, the the means, the avenue that brings life to a relationship. It breathes that life into the relationship as you share what's on your heart and mind, as that's received as it's cared for and as you communicate about life experiences memories fears hopes dreams interests day-to-day things that are weighing on you that facilitates that con that connection so we don't need more information we need more connection and there's no doubt about that and when we don't experience that connection our relationship dies 
So I've been trying to say over and over and over, our communication is so important and vital to the health and life of a relationship and to us as individuals. And so part two, we talked about just some of the obstacles and some of the ways to kind of facilitate, create, build meaningful communication. One of the things that I mentioned that can hinder our communication is just a lack of skills. And so I went over some of the the basics of of just the skills of communication, um, how to listen, active listening, communicating clearly, engaging in conversation, reflecting. And that's something as a marriage and family therapist, I work on all of the time with clients. Another thing we talked about was just a lack of desire that sometimes even though we do crave connection we are in a world that's very instant gratification very self-serving and so sometimes we don't want to put in the effort that it takes to actually focus on a meaningful conversation to have connection with somebody and it can be very easy to want the quick and the easy to get to the point and lose our attention and our focus on somebody but in that we're losing that opportunity for connection so the third thing i talked about was just lack of prioritizing as well like we just don't carve out the time to have meaningful conversation and again if you want to dive deeper into those i'd encourage you to go to back to part two of this series and listen to those today i'm going to continue on kind of this list and So the next item that I would talk about, that I'll talk about in regards to what can hinder or facilitate connection through communication is just looking at actual physical, tangible limitations. Um, You may have heard of the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, and that is do not have communication if you're hungry if you're angry if you're lonely if you're tired and i would ultimately say yes that's a really good guide um but i would add to that as well i'd say you know again if you're tired if you're hungry yes but also if you're stressed or the other thing i would say is really important is just poor timing choosing your timing well so For example, if you know that it is 9.30 at night, you're completely exhausted, you're about to go to bed, that might not be the time to try to dive into a really deep conversation. If you're just in a very emotional state, I kind of laugh because, you know, I think about this time of year and this fundraising season, and this is not my banner season as far as just I'm, I'm worn out and I can be very emotionally reactive during this season. You've been warned. If you know me personally, you've been warned. (laughs) but when we are emotional so again maybe we had a big fight with a family member and now you know that's not a great time for your your spouse to come and say you know what else i need to really talk about something that you did that really upset me like you have to be aware of your own circumstances as well as the circumstances of somebody you care about and is that the time to try to have a deep conversation or a hard conversation probably not and again if you're in a rush i gotta get to school i gotta drop my kid off this isn't the time to be like you know you really offended me last night it's like we have two minutes to have this conversation this is not we're not gonna be able to resolve that or again right before bed or if you're in the middle of doing some other task like there has to be some awareness of just the context that we're in is it a good time 
to have a meaningful or a challenging conversation. So keep that in mind. I know I'm a, I am definitely a hangry person. So I'm like, don't talk to me about something serious when I am hungry. Feed me first. <laughs> And then we can talk second. So keeping just the the reality of the context of our physical limitations and circumstances is very, very helpful in facilitating that good, meaningful conversation and communication. The next thing is just gender differences, which may be taboo in our day and age, sadly, but the reality is God engineered men and women differently. And I did briefly discuss this somewhat in part one, but I I need to reiterate that we have to understand that men and women typically do communicate differently. What I found is that when a husband and wife, man and woman, don't necessarily fall in the typical, so to speak, category that the reality is they've they've typically paired up with somebody who is the opposite of them in the communication style so there's always kind of somebody who's fitting the different categories if that makes sense i've talked about our brains have two hemispheres and men their brains are very they're they're much more separated so that logical side of the brain doesn't communicate as much with the emotional side of the brain. Whereas for women, there's a lot more connections between those two hemispheres. So that's where a lot of times the emotion is attached to the logic or to the the actual thing. It's it's these things are there's a much more meandering standpoint or approach to communication for women whereas again men often are very logical they're very want the reasoning oftentimes they are get to the point people Um, they're very compartmentalized again women are very integrated and so a lot of times there's emotion attached to what they're saying Sometimes it can be the Sunday driver kind of thing, like we're just poking through this conversation and then we'll loop back because this sparked this, which sparked this, which sparked this. And, you know, we kind of ping pong a little bit in the conversations. And uh, so, again, we have to keep in mind that there are differences in just how we communicate, how our brains function between men and women. And again, there are many situations I've I've seen this reverse, but what I see is there is typically a more logical get to the point person in a marriage and there's a more let's connect, let's talk meandering person in the relationship. And um, so whether this is flipped in your marriage or not, it, it really is still a similar thing in that we need to understand that our brains are created differently and sometimes the approach to communication is very different depending on uh, your particular brain and how it is created and how it functions and if those two hemispheres are very interconnected. So we just have to keep that in mind that we don't approach communication in the same way no two people do but certainly the two genders biologically they just do not communicate in the same way and so it's really important and i find it is often more challenging for men to let go of point a to point b and see that there is a need for an emotional connection and sometimes kind of more the journey of communication instead of a destination communication style and so we need to we need to be aware of these differences that can cause challenges, right? We we have to again both 
people need to go into the conversation and the communication with the understanding that we're here to connect with each other. That's the goal of this conversation. The other point I would say is what I would call kind of the contextual communication. And that is what we are communicating in our day-to-day with our nonverbals and um, our kind of our simple conversations that can really impact those more significant or challenging or intimate conversations. So for example, if day-to-day somebody does not show interest in even the small things there's going to be a reluctancy to share the big things if there's very little interest shown in hey what what's happening with you how was your day hey you said you had a doctor's appointment today right like okay how did that go if there isn't the effort in the day-to-day in kind of the smaller things where we're showing interest in engagement care and concern we are likely going to limit and hinder that person feeling comfortable with the bigger, with the grander, with the more vulnerable topics. So we have to be aware of in the day-to-day, in the simple, are we communicating to our spouse or to our significant other, or to our children or to our family members? Are we communicating, I care about you in the simple? And then the other aspect of that is in those conversations and in how we interact with them, are our nonverbal communications meaningful or encouraging? And again, nonverbal communication is our tone, our body language, our facial expressions, um, how we touch somebody. And so if we don't touch somebody, if we don't give hugs, if we don't make eye contact, if we aren't nodding, if we aren't smiling, if our face is not mirroring or reflecting what the person is communicating. So if my spouse is telling me a story and they're sad and they're heavy hearted, I want to be reflecting a face of concern and interest and care and tenderness So if I'm not communicating that and I have a stern or a blank look on my face or I'm not even looking at them, why then would they feel any sort of safety in having a conversation with me about something important? If in that as well, right, if we if we are having a conversation with somebody and maybe we get a little emotional and that other person reaches out and puts their hand on us in a in a tender way that communicates I'm here and I care. So those nonverbal communication things in the day-to-day in the simple and certainly in the significant or bigger conversations, they matter and they add up. So we want to see somebody nodding at us. We want to see somebody's facial expressions reflecting what I'm sharing. We want to see that they engage with us physically in a way that is appropriate and fitting for what we're sharing and in the day-to-day constant simple interactions and conversations we're actually laying the groundwork for whether or not somebody will be more vulnerable and more intimate with us in more significant ways so we have to realize that that contextual communication definitely has an impact on whether or not we're going to experience connection through our communication if somebody even wants to engage with us in that way.
Now, I want to get into some heavier issues that we see in communication. And one of the one of the challenges, and I think that we're seeing this more and more and more because our culture, I think in many ways is breeding this, but is just this overall selfishness and, and honestly narcissistic tendencies. We live in a world that says your feelings are most important. Your truth is the only truth that matters. You, 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 you. And we are very much inundated with we are the only ones that matter. And the problem is that's not <laughs> that's not a good approach to wanting connection with somebody else. We cannot have two selfish people, which we're all naturally selfish and self-centered. That's why we're sinful human beings. But the reality is, if we want to have Christ-like meaningful relationships, we must learn to be selfish. We must learn to die to self daily. And what I see is a lot of times in communication, we want to be heard, we want to be listened to, we want to be understood, we want to be validated, we want to be cared for, we want to be loved, but we don't want to give those things. And what happens in a relationship where you're with somebody who always wants to be heard, but never wants to hear, who always wants to be understood, but doesn't really care about understanding, when we have somebody who wants to be cared for, but doesn't want to to do any of the caring, that relationship is not sustainable. There must be a reciprocity in a relationship for it to be sustained. Now, when we're in a relationship that is truly with somebody who's narcissistic, which it does take a professional to diagnose that. So I'm not asking you or encouraging you or advising you in any way to go around labeling somebody as a narcissist. However, I think that we it is important to identify if somebody is consistently selfish because we need to establish firm boundaries um, with that person and 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 begin to enforce those boundaries to facilitate that meaningful connection we also see a lot of times with this selfishness and this narcissistic tendency gaslighting that's always flipping something on somebody it's dismissing what they're saying telling them that they're not right or why they shouldn't feel the way they feel or why it's ridiculous that they feel the way they feel or flipping it to where it's well it's your fault you're the one who did this and i would say gaslighting has become tremendously on the rise and I think that again that comes out of just a a selfish culture that says your feelings are the only ones that matter and so instead of being able to say wow I didn't know that you I didn't know that something I did impacted you in that way let me hear you let me let me care for you let me apologize and let me see how I can repair it and that doesn't mean you have no pushback. It doesn't mean you say, well, that's not how I meant that. You know, that's not what I'm saying. There should be a healthy back and forth and dialogue about things. But ultimately, we have to hear as much as we want to be heard. We have to understand as much as we want to be understood. We have to care as much as we want to be cared for. And gaslighting is just consistently, it's very much aligned with narcissistic tendencies. It's consistently saying your feelings don't matter. Your thoughts don't matter. You're not right. That didn't happen. And it can create this sense of you start feeling like, am I crazy? Like, gosh, am I that crazy? Like, did that happen? And I would say as we're starting to get more into these last three points that you need professional help to, to be able to get in there and learn what healthy boundaries look like and learn how to 
cope and manage with somebody who consistently gaslights, who shuts you down, who refuses to hear you or care for you or understand you. And then that kind of spills over. These last three points are all kind of very integrated. But another major common issue that I would say I see most often in relationships is just a lack of emotional intelligence and an inability to be attuned. So kind of that deficiency in being able to know what am I feeling, why am I feeling that way, and what do I need? And then being able to say, what is this person feeling and what do they need and how can I engage with that? It's interesting because I think we live in a very emotional, I would say emotions have become very idolized in our culture. But I think at the same time, there's such little awareness into emotions. It's very reactive, but it's not very intelligent. So it's not, wow, I'm really offended by that. Why am I offended by that? What's my part in that? And what can I do about it? And then how can I communicate about that in a very healthy way? We just, I feel something and I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. And you're all responsible for my emotions. And that's, that's just lacking in emotional intelligence and the ability to say, well, first of all, I'm in control of my emotions. And also, where does my faith come into that? Like, I am not a worshiper of self. I'm a worshiper of God. And I'm to esteem others as highly as myself. I'm to care for others, love God and love others. And so while it is important for us to care for ourselves, part of that is we need to be able to care for ourselves so that we can care for others. And what I see is there's such a limited ability these days to know what they're feeling, why they're feeling that, how they can manage their own emotions and, and, and minimize those emotions, and then be able to communicate their needs and their requests in a healthy way. And, and when that lack of emotional intelligence and ability is there, the problem is then there, I can't care for myself, so I certainly can't care for you. I can't identify what I'm feeling, so I certainly can't look and identify what you're feeling, let alone care for myself, let alone care for you. And so we end up in these very selfish relationships with, and they can become very narcissistic and we're, we end up um, taking emotional responsibility for someone else's emotional responsibility. And I think as believers, this is very, very challenging. It's a fine line. How do we love someone else very well, but then also not enable them to be selfish, narcissistic, and to value that our needs do need to be met. Both people need to feel that their needs are being met. There's times, I, I talk a lot about this, it's a metaphor of the doctor and the patient. If a patient went into a doctor's office and said, here are my symptoms, this is what I'm feeling, and the doctor said, oh, I'm so glad you came in, here's what I'm feeling, Here's, let me tell you about my symptoms, he'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 I'm the patient, you're the doctor. And the reality is, in a relationship, one person cannot consistently and constantly be the doctor. And one person cannot consistently and constantly be the patient. There are times that you're the patient and there are times that you're the doctor. And if that gets out of whack and out of balance and one person is always the patient, always gaslighting, flipping it so that they're always the patient with the bigger issue and they can never care for you, 
that becomes a major issue in the relationship. The relationship is not sustainable. And again, that's where I'd say you need to get some professional outside help to begin to identify that and tease that out and set healthy boundaries and learn new patterns of communication and interaction. And then obviously, this last one is kind of the most extreme scenario, and that is where there's verbal abuse. And I think this is very understated in general, but there is that there is that a lot of verbal abuse that can happen where somebody is attacking your character they're attacking who you are as a person they are saying they're name calling they're demeaning they're they're screaming they're again it's this very escalated version of these things that I'm talking about. They're taking the selfishness, they're taking the kind of that narcissistic, emotionally reactive, and they're taking it to the next level where they are just attacking you um, very intensely. And in these situations with verbal abuse, you're not going to be able to engage with somebody and you should not engage with somebody who is going to be verbally abusive you need to shut that conversation down for your own sake for your own health and and setting that boundary of we can communicate when you can uh, when you can communicate with me in a reasonable way and being able to identify when it's escalating to that point to remove yourself from that situation and not be the recipient or the victim of somebody else's lack of control of their their tongue of the things that they're saying Um, And again, verbal abuse is something that you need to get professional help to disrupt that cycle and to begin to have healthy patterns of communication. Oftentimes in a situation where someone is very verbally abusive, there are other issues going on that that individual needs to work on to um, help facilitate growth and health as an individual to then be able to bring that health and growth to the relationship. And again, that's where you really need to involve some some professional help. What we need to realize is that there really is tremendous power in our words and how we communicate. Communication is so important. It is impactful. And we have to learn to one, value communication, and two, work to become proficient in it as best we can. I think back to Genesis and I think it's so interesting how, you know, in the beginning, you know, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the, wor- the waters. And what I love is at verse three, and God said, and what we see is there's this whole series of God said, God said, God said, God's voice spoke something out of nothing. He brought light into darkness with his words. We're made in the image of God, and so we have to realize there is tremendous power in what we say, how we say it, when we say it, and who we say it to. Think about Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Wow, that's significant. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listens to advice. And that goes to communication is not just about what we say, but it's also about what we hear. A wise man listens. Communication is so important, and we've just lost 
the art of communication being for connection. It's easy to lose perspective that in meaningful communication, that's how we develop health, healthy, strong, intimate, meaningful, safe, lasting relationships. If the God of all creation felt the need to communicate with us and create a means for us to communicate with him, of course he values communication. And why would we then not value the communication? Why then do we not value the significance of communication in our own life with our creator and with others, his creations? There's great power in our words, far beyond what we understand. Again, God spoke the world into existence. He tells us there's power of life and death in our tongues. So we have to understand communication is important. What we say, how we say it, who we say it to, it all matters. And if there are issues we cannot overcome in our communication, then we must get help to facilitate the communication, to have the meaningful conversations, to have the meaningful connections. And when we work on communicating with connection in mind, we bring life and we bring light to otherwise formless, empty, and dark. I hope you've enjoyed this series on communication. I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I hope that you have found it to be meaningful and helpful in forging connections with those around you. Well, friends, this concludes this episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so glad you did. Remember, you were handcrafted by God, are dearly loved, and greatly needed in this world. We look forward to seeing you back here next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Real Talk. To stay connected, follow Foundation Restoration on Instagram and Facebook at FND Restoration. Or visit us at www.foundationrestoration.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to follow or subscribe and to leave us a five-star review so more people can find our show. Foundation Restoration is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry that believes marriage is the heartbeat of society and exists to equip, strengthen, and restore marriages through clinical expertise and a biblical perspective. Please consider supporting our ministry with a tax-deductible donation at www.foundationrestoration.org. Your gift makes programs like this possible. Thank you for your generosity and partnership.